0: Everyone, this is Kurt Franken with Leading Saints. And what you're about to hear in this episode is one of the sessions from the Young Saints virtual conference that we have coming up. This is, uh, I think it begins February 22nd. So registration is open now. And uh, I'm here with Dan. Say hello, Dan. Hello, Dan. (laughs) Nice. Um, Dan is a member of our board of directors. I couldn't resist that. I'm sorry, Kurt. (laughs) No, you're good. This is how I want it. I want the real Dan Duckworth (laughs) here. So. Uh, that, especially the day we don't always get see. So <laughs> this is good. So, but I want to make sure everybody's clear before we jump into this presentation that we're, we're going to make available on the Leading Saints podcast that you can go to leadingsaints.org slash youth to uh, register for free. And there's 20 plus hours of presentations from various individuals across the world English-speaking, that is, that uh, gives some phenomenal content, just like you were about to hear. And I'm pretending like we've already done this presentation, but I, I don't know what to expect here, Dan. So if you don't make the cut, we're not pushing this to the podcast. So we'll see how it goes. So,
1: hey man, you ready i ready to jump it's worth, in? It's worth the gamble. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> All you right. Know that, you know that every time we get on, I'm always comfortable with the fact that you might tell me that that was terrible and it's not going
0: live. <laughs> nice. Well, we'll see if this is the first one, but I, I I'm expecting good things. You always do great. So. Let's jump into it here i go i'm gonna pretend like we didn't do this this introduction and and uh, here we go okay hello and welcome back to another session of the young saints virtual conference today i have the opportunity to uh sit down through the powers of the internet with a fellow board
1: member leading saints and that's dan duckworth how are you dan I am doing great, unfortunately, I'm not sitting down. I'm standing up. I hope that's okay that we're not standing sitting up down was, together.
0: Standing desks are the new thing, you know or the it's very modern approach to this presentation so very cool and and a lot of people don't realize you know they hear my voice or see my face a lot, but there's a lot of people working behind the scenes like yourself and the many other members of our board of directors who uh, are propelling us forward in this mission, and that's how we're able to to do these cool conferences and and create this awesome content so this is it's important that people are familiar with you Dan so and uh, your voice has been consistent on the podcast and a, a fan favorite for sure so you' ready to jump
1: in I am except you put me in in the board mindset by bringing that up and and I okay, feel like I just want to say if you're if you're a listener to this and you feel like you have something to contribute to leading saints in terms of of a board level contribution what I mean by that is, an advisory capacity, a governance capacity, a contributions capacity. I just always want to be putting that plug out there that we don't know you're out there. So if you're out there and you feel like you really resonate with the mes- the mission and have something to contribute can help us go to the next level, I hope you will reach out to us. Uh, probably the best way to do that is first uh, through Kurt at Kurt leading saints.org. And then we can start to have conversations about whether there's a good fit for you because our organization, leading saints, we are so dependent upon a great board of directors who contributes their time and their energy to building this. And we're always looking for others who are who resonate with the mission to come forward.
0: Love it. Love it. I'm glad you you said all that. Now you are typically, you know, you've had a lot of experience in, I don't know if you call it uh leadership development or you've mm-hmm. you've coached and, and done a lot of presentations around leadership in the context of you know, large corporations or executive teams and whatnot, and uh, it's not always in the context of youth. But when you found out we were doing this conference, uh, you were excited about it, right?
1: Yes. So when I heard you were doing this, I was, I literally said I have to be part of this because I have I have a lot of thoughts that I want to share with people who work in this space. And there's it. We need to be clear. I am not a youth development expert. But I am an expert on leadership and on leadership development. And a lot of the things I'm going to be sharing today are just my personal insights that I've had over the years. As I have, you know, I have four kids right now who are currently, you know, teenagers or in the children and youth program. Um, I've been in, you know, stake young men's presidencies and multiple young men's presidencies, currently a Sunday school teacher to the 16, 17 and 18 year olds. You know, I've been part of youth conferences, many youth conferences and treks and all those things, right? So I've, I've as I've as I've developed expertise in leadership and leadership development I am consistently struck by two things. Number one, we need change in how we go about youth development in the church. And we're going to talk a lot or a little bit about what the church has done, the church meaning the institutional church has done to enable change. We're also going to talk about why there's still more that needs to be done by the church, meaning the lay church, the the people, the the actual members of the church. So there's a leadership component to, to really achieving what we need to achieve with our youth development programs. And then in addition to that, I think almost all day long, every day long about leadership development. How do you grow leaders? How do they be transformational leaders? And that comes into play in this conversation in one obvious way, but maybe one not so obvious way. And the obvious way is that You know, youth becoming is actually the same exact formula as an adult becoming a leader. So a youth becoming what they can become, right? But then the not so obvious way is that the workers, the youth workers who are engaged in doing youth work, they have to be on a journey of becoming a youth mentor. And so we'll talk a little bit about today what, what I mean by that. But just to start out, I'm going to hit those two words right from the beginning. What is a youth worker versus what is a youth mentor? Now, a youth worker, plainly said, is anybody who works with youth, anybody who works on this, the quote-unquote problem or opportunity of helping a youth to grow or to become. So typical functional roles where we see youth workers are teachers, coaches, pastors. These are roles. And I, when I say pastor, I mean what... Outside of our church, would be called a youth pastor or an assistant pastor in a youth ministry. Okay, so when you're called to be a young women's leader or a young men's leader, or you know, in a bishopric or anything like that, you're being called or you're being assigned to be a youth worker. That does not make you a youth mentor. Mentorship or mentoring is a state. Okay, let me just draw this out for you a little bit. And I hope this is conversational. I have a very high level agenda with just a million thoughts to share. So as you have thoughts or questions, I hope you're jumping in because whatever questions you have, probably a lot of the audience has too. Yeah, I'll be ready here. Okay. So so I want to draw this point about what I mean by youth by mentorship being a state. Okay. What I mean by that is, or to help you illustrate that, I often tell leaders, you are not leading unless someone is following. You are not leading unless someone is following. So you can call yourself a leader, but you are only ever a leader in the moment that someone is following you. Then you are a leader. Now, certain individuals develop a persona and a character, which we're going to talk about, in which people tend to default to following them. In other words, they trust them so explicitly that they say, I will follow you without a lot of evidence or reason or rationale or logic. Okay, So then we might call that person a leader. Now that's a little bit more maybe nuanced way to talk about a a common phrase in the leadership world, which is leadership is not a position. Leadership is not a title. Leadership is not authority, right? Leadership is getting people to do things they would not otherwise do so that we can accomplish things that we could not otherwise accomplish. So in that, from that standpoint, leadership and mentorship are synonymous because mentoring is also getting somebody to do something that they would not otherwise do. In other words, helping them to grow in a way that they would not otherwise grow without your intervention. So if you are intervening in their natural growth and development processes, and if you are having a positive influence on those natural growth and development processes, then you are in a mentorship state. And if you do that consistently, and if it becomes your character such that that youth turn to you and rely on you and trust you in that mentorship role, they open themselves up to your mentorship as a rule, then I would call you a mentor, right? Then you are a mentor. So my goal for you in this session is to help you begin to really conceptualize the distinction between being a youth worker and being a youth mentor and to see what that means on the ground, when we start to talk about some particulars. So just, I'll give a quick sort of high level where this is going, where I think it's going, at least where my slides will say it will go. And then we can take it wherever we want, Kurt. So why why do I want to come and talk to you about this right now? It's because I feel so much compassion for those who are assigned to be youth workers, but who do not yet have the mindset of being youth mentors. Because they are trying and striving for righteous and noble outcomes, meaning the youth development, but they aren't equipped to really engage in a way that would have that positive influence that they want to have. And so they're very busy and they're very earnest. They're very applied in the work that they do with the youth, but they're not getting the results that they want. In other words, the experience itself is grinding. It's, it's not. It doesn't feel good, it's not energizing, it's not pulling the best out of me. And the results might not, the outcomes might not be what we want in terms of the youth becoming their full potential. And so there tends to be a sense of frustration, a sense of guilt. Okay. And I call the two fruits of the typical youth program are teen checkout and adult burnout. Okay. That's not what every youth program is like. I and mean, it's certainly at the beginning, usually start very hopeful, right? But the more that you engage with people who are called to be or assigned to be youth workers, the normal result is youth checkout and adult burnout. And that's just frustrating. And so I hope the things that we talk today will give you something to think about. Really, it's about changing the way you think about your opportunity to help these youth because a lot of the things that I see people worried about or focusing on or, or the levers that they're trying to pull in order to make this happen, make these outcomes happen. They're. "Quote unquote," the wrong levers, and so they're you know they're doing one thing, hoping for a certain outcome, but it's not tied to the outcome that they want. So today we're going to get a chance to maybe talk about what some of those other levers might be, and maybe that will lower the sense of frustration or the sense of of angst about I've got to do this a certain way. Because the truth is, there's probably you're probably putting too much burden on yourself. And that's where a lot of your frustration comes from. And if you truly understood how youth develop and what youth mentorship is, I think you would be a lot calmer and a lot more peaceful about your work that you're doing with the youth.
0: Yeah, Dan, one, one thought I, I I appreciate you unpacking that because it's there can't be a huge burden that a youth leader puts on themselves because they're at such an impressionable age and it's sort of make or break. At least it feels that way for a lot of youth. It's like, if this youth experience in the church does not go well, then who knows what the rest of their life looks like? And it's sort of on me to make sure that this goes well, but to just say like, well, maybe this hyper-focus, you know, super effort is, it may feel like the right way because it, it requires a lot of energy and focus, but maybe there is a better way.
1: Yeah, this kind of relates to to the whole Christian dialogue around faith, you know, works versus faith. and. What does that mean in the context of of being assigned or asked to do something, right? So we, I I do think in our church, we tend to have this sense of like, we're going to grit our teeth and we're going to muscle our way through it. We're going to make this happen. And when it comes to youth development or leadership development or any form of character development, which is what we're going to talk about, because those are both forms of character development. When it comes to those, there's very little you can do to force something to happen. These are natural processes. And the best you can do is to understand those processes and to nurture those processes, but they're going to be what they're going to be. And so this, I mean, it's very similar discussion on parenting or, you know, anything related to that, but there is a sense of control that we want and that we desire in working with youth or working with employees. And the truth is letting go of that control and that need to be in control of this process is Foundational. It's fundamental. It's primary. It it has to be done. Learning how to let go of that control. All right. So, Kurt, along these lines, unless you had something else you want to say, I'll I'll keep us moving forward. Yeah, um, going. That's great. So, along these lines, I, I think it's important that we clarify that that when we talk about the children and youth program, what we're really talking about, and I'm, I'm going to my slides. They're very high level. I will have one very in depth slide for those who are listening on the, if it's on the podcast or as you're doing by audio, most of these slides are just pictures, but you can, there's one slide that you'll want to see. The children and youth are what I'm labeling here, C and Y, and I will refer to it as C and Y until the church will probably come out at some point and tell us not to do that, but it's just easier. So C and Y, we need to start by just acknowledging this, this is youth development. Okay. And what I mean by that is there is a broader research field. There's a broader movement, a, bro- a broader effort amongst practitioners. That is called youth development. And this is the idea that we can intentionally engage these processes. We can understand these processes of how youth grow into being fully functioning, fully contributing adults or members of whatever community that we have, that we can understand that and that potentially we can influence that in a positive way. And so I think right from the start, we need to acknowledge that when children and youth comes out, it is very different in some ways, from what the church has put out previously, and it very uh, closely acknowledges or mimics or relies on or brings in or just happens to mirror the language of the youth development field. Okay. Now, again, I am not a youth development field expert, but I'm going to give you just a little insight into how, you know, I'm probably a lot more expert in it than most of those who are called to do youth work in the church. And here's the, the nature of how I got into this. So there's actually a field called positive youth development. Now, in the leadership work that I do, I work, I'm affiliated with the University of Michigan Center for Positive Leadership. And so when we hear words like positive leadership or positive organizations or positive psychology, that is a keyword. That's a buzzword. It's, it means something. And it doesn't just mean happy leadership. Okay. What it means is that when you look at a normal curve, There is a type of youth development that we would call normal approaches to youth development. And normal approaches get normal outcomes. And then on the left side of that curve, we have what we call negative deviance. Okay, So these are programs that deviate from the norm in a negative direction, meaning they have worse outcomes than the normal outcomes. And then on the other side of the curve, we will have positive deviance meaning that these programs yield better than average results. And so we want to look at the the way that they approach that and say their results are better than the norm. They're positively deviant results. What are the positively deviant causes of those better results? Okay. So when I first heard that there was a field called positive youth development, it was because I was like, man, all these things I'm I'm learning, I'm becoming expert on in terms of leadership and leadership development. I feel like it is so relevant to the youth work that I'm doing as a father and as a mentor, as a youth worker in the church and with sports. I do a lot with youth athletics. So it's so relevant. And I'm learning I, I have so much to do, so many ideas because of, of these connections I'm making. And I was like, I gotta find out if what I'm if the things that I'm taking from leadership development. Really, if anyone else is talking about this in terms of youth development, well, that's when I got in and realized, yeah, there's a field called positive youth development. And I got very deep into that. I'm going to come back to that field in a little bit, but I, I just think that it's important for our conversation that we recognize that we as a church, we're, we're not necessarily doing something that nobody else is trying to do. Because I think one of the the themes I think I hear people talking about as they talk about this is like, we're so unique in the church. And what we're trying to do is so unique that we don't realize there's so much to learn from other people who spend their lives, their careers dedicated towards understanding youth development and positively influencing youth development. And I think that's just an initial recognition that we need to make. And when we do that, it kind of puts it more into context that we don't have to feel like we're on an island trying to create something that, that isn't already being worked on by other people. Kurt, what do you think about that? Do you do you get that sense at all as you've gone through these seminars with the youth development? And I know we get a lot of fan mail, so to speak, uh, from people who talk about <laughs> frustrations with the youth program. Like, what are your thoughts about this point?
0: Yeah, I think this, this coming at it from a youth development standpoint is really helpful, rather than just sort of framing it as this is a church program, this is what we've been asked to do. So let's you know, let's make it work. You know, there's obviously there's a lot of thought that the powers that be have have put into this in the effort of developing youth, right? And I love, you know, that the bell curve you talk about with positive deviance. I think this is so crucial that oftentimes we feel like when we frame it as a church program, it's harder to then say, well, I'm going to be deviant to that program. And nobody's asking you to do that. What positive deviance is, is taking this, this program and finding the positive natures of it that allows us to do something a little bit different that's going to, in return, lead to positive youth development. Is that is that right?
1: Yeah. So I think, I, I love the way you said that. I think the way to frame this up is the church, the institutional church is asking us to be positively deviant with how we develop our youth. And I, I tend to think about it like this, and it's probably not a fair way to think about it, but it's kind of an idealistic way. I tend to say to myself, if you were to find the church of the living God upon the earth, the church of Jesus Christ on the earth, wouldn't you expect that it would be positively deviant? Wouldn't you expect that its communities, its societies, its classes, its families, its youth programs would not be normal, that they would excel, right? Yeah. Now, the truth is when you look statistically, and I'm, I'm no expert on this, but I've done a, plenty of reading on it, our outcomes aren't always that great compared to the norm. They're pretty average across the board, right? And so I think when the church comes out and they say we're going to totally revamp something and in this case it's the the youth program, I think what they're saying is is we're trying to give you the tools and resources to become and to be positively deviant. So not just to be youth workers, but to be youth mentors. Not just yeah. to have a youth program, but to have a magical youth program that actually delivers on its goals and its objectives. Yeah.
0: You would expect that the restored gospel of Jesus Christ would be a trailblazer, right? If we believe in revelation, hopefully we are doing things like nobody else is doing it in a very positive way. Like you see this sometimes with like, uh, I think of them. Missionary Training Center. It seems like every five years, a, a journalist like stumbles over what's happening at the MTC and like, look at this organization and how they're teaching languages and they're sending these missionaries out and how they're developing them. And, you know, so many you get this type of job and right now it's sort of like they've focused on a part of our makeup that's positively deviant. We develop our 18 and 19 year olds differently because of the missionary program, right? And now we're sort of moving that feeling that theme Into the children and youth program.
1: Yeah. And and you use that word trailblazer. It's really interesting because, I mean, kind of the the point that I just made in some ways, we're not the trailblazers because there are people who have been doing this in positive youth development for 10, 20, 30 years now with a lot of rigor to what they're doing. Right. So, in that standpoint, I think it's okay for us to say, Hey, we don't have to be the trailblazers. We don't have to reinvent the wheel here. We're not trying to do something that's not already being done. But there are certain things about our opportunity here that, need trailblazing. We need yeah. people to step up and say how are we specifically going to do this, right? And let me just give you a very quick example. So the concept, you know, everyone's familiar with the the diagram, the goals diagram with the spiritual, spiritual, social, physical, and intellectual, right? They get the four, right? <laughs> and the reason why I hesitate is those are four common words that are talked about in youth development, right? We didn't make that up. Like the, You can find diagrams almost exactly like that when you look in the positive youth development field. Now, the reason why I hesitate is because sometimes it's they include words like emotional or psychological or things like that, right? So we have our yeah. specific version of it. But looking at youth development and youth character like that, it's very common. These words are different in our context because that's what the, the church has, has decided we really want to focus on. And that's great. But that just helps us recognize like there's a broader concept here. And then positive deviance is really us trying to say, how do we do this really well in our very unique environment? And here's, let me give you just one aspect of why being us being unique matters. I cannot think of another people on the planet where youth workers are assigned as a matter of their identity. Okay. Now that's a complicated way of saying, you didn't sign up to be a youth worker. You sign, You got baptized to make a covenant with Jesus Christ. And then one day some guy came to you and said, hey, we're assigning you to be a youth worker. That doesn't happen anywhere else that I'm aware of. You're a teacher because you chose to be a teacher. You're a coach because you chose to be a coach. Even in other religions, you're a, a pastor over the youth because you chose to work with the youth. And even if somebody came to you and said, hey, I've got this opportunity, I think you'd be really good at it. There's still this fundamental aspect of me deciding that I'm going to spend my time and energy working with the youth. That is a very different paradigm than the one that we're working with. The vast majority of the people that work with the youth in our church are not people who feel especially called personally, like they have a deep interest or passion in youth development. So we have this workforce, if you will, that is there for other reasons than what a youth mentor might naturally be drawn to for. That might be a hard thing to say, Kurt, I'm interested in your reaction to that. Like maybe people react to that and say, oh, that's not fair or something. But I'm just letting you know that I've seen a lot of youth work and most people who work with the youth are there because somebody asked them to do it, not because they raised their hand and said, this is how I want to spend my discretionary time and energy.
0: Yeah. And that this is like at the core of what intrigues me about our mission as leading, as the leading saints organization is that our leadership tradition and experience is very different. You know, I served as a bishop but that's not because I went through a training process or an application process and got selected. You know, I, I was just asked to do it, even at a young and experienced age. And so there's just these dynamics of leadership that are a little bit different. And you, you even saw this contrast in, when the church was involved in the Boy Scouts of America, where the typical Boy Scout troop leader decided to be a troop leader. It wasn't just called and say, hey, we needed to do this. And so that created some some interesting dynamics that were sometimes positive, sometimes negative, but they're complicated nonetheless. That concludes part one of this presentation. You can find the remainder of this presentation in part two, or you can simply watch the presentation as part of the Young Saints Conference, which begins on February 22nd. Registration is now open and it's free. So you can visit the link in the show notes or simply go to leadingsaints.org youth to register for the upcoming Young Saints Conference. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living Church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness—the loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to
1: which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.